Pastor Melanie mentioned earlier the uh, spiritual discipline that we're looking to practice over the next few weeks at least is called Lectio Divina. And so I thought it would be appropriate uh, to take a moment to just practice that together right now. Because uh, it's something that, you know, I, if your week is anything like mine, you get home from church and you have to think pretty hard to remember what we talked about and it can fly out of your head. But this is something that has been valuable in my own personal spiritual life. And so I wanted to take a moment and practice that with the gospel reading this morning. So the steps that I kind of personally go through for this practice is that I I pray that I would be able to hear from God through the reading. I, I invite God to speak and to change me through what I read. And then you read the passage, preferably out loud if you can, and so I will do that for us after we spend a moment in silence. And we just listen. And you listen for a word or something that the Holy Spirit may have for you this morning. And then I'll read it a second time after we spend a little bit of time in silence. And then we listen again. And just, this is hard, but just let it happen. Let the Holy Spirit speak. Don't try too hard to make something of it. Let's pray. Father, in the reading of your gospel, I ask that you would speak to us this morning. If we have misunderstood your words, I pray that you would correct us. If we are unknowing, I pray that you would give us knowledge. If we've been foolish, I pray that you would give us wisdom. But we invite your Holy Spirit now to speak and to change us through the hearing of your words. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be the children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, 
and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure that you get back. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. I don't know what God might have said to you, 
And frankly, as I was preparing for a sermon this week, I read through that passage and I thought to myself, how in the world could anything I say improve on the actual words of God incarnate? And then when Melanie said that the spiritual discipline was Lectio Divina, I thought, well, great. (laughs) I don't have to. We can listen to God together. So for my sermon this morning, it's going to be simple and vague, and there are no clear answers, because I'm just going to tell you what I heard and what I feel like God was saying to me when I read this passage. It's not relevant to you? Great. I hope he said something else to you two minutes ago. My first instinct was to explain the passage away. Somebody comes up and hits me. I don't want to turn the other cheek. I want to hit them back. We're supposed to have boundaries. We're supposed to not allow ourselves to be, to be hurt by others. We're supposed to be able to set these, these things in place. This is good and right. And yet Jesus says to turn the other cheek. And I, I just want to explain it away. I want to make excuses for what I want to do, for my vengeance and how I want to handle the situation and for the violence that I want to revisit back on the person who hurt me. Because I feel like that'll make me feel better. But the times that I've turned the other cheek, the times that somebody has called me up out of nowhere after a five-year silence and said, hey, can I borrow a couple hundred dollars? Sure, why don't you stop by sometime and pick it up? Well, actually, if you could just leave it in an envelope and I could just pick it up without talking to you, I'll pay you back, I promise. Okay. I never got the money back. And we kind of expected not to get the money back. But the one time in my life I actually loaned someone money actually expecting to get nothing in return, I'm not mad about it. It was grace. It was, it was what God told us to do, to lend without expecting repayment. And so I, I feel like there's this message of grace here. And grace is one of those words we use all the time in church. We have amazing grace as this hymn that everybody has heard 50 billion times, usually with bagpipes. But then if I said, I need you to define grace for me and you can Google it, it's this mysterious, amorphous, hard to pin down thing. But I think this passage that stuck out to me most, the idea that God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked, just blew my mind. If anyone is justified in visiting vengeance on people who are ungrateful and wicked, it is God. And if God chooses to be kind to the ungrateful and the wicked, what kind of a standard am I being held to then? I who have been forgiven, how should I treat the ungrateful and the wicked? Apparently, the minimum standard is with kindness. And so we start to kind of get a taste for what grace would look like. And I've been thinking about morality in church, and I'm thinking like it would be really easy to take this passage and make some rules and tell people how it's supposed to work. 
think the truth is simpler and harder and vaguer and more gray than that. Because I think what this passage does is it tells us who God is. And it tells us who we're called to be. It doesn't give us rules. It gives us virtue. That kindness is a virtue, maybe especially when offered to the wicked and the ungrateful. And if I had to make a list of the times that somebody was wicked or ungrateful and I was kind back, I might not run out of fingers. I might not have to use my toes. You know what I mean? Toes. Toes. You know, but like that's what we're called to do, though, right? We're called to apparently be kind to ungrateful and or wicked people. And I'm awful at that. I want to lend to people who are going to pay me back with a little interest and a thank you. That's just not what the passage says. It's not what God's saying. And the only way it makes sense for me is to talk a little bit about identity. If somebody walks up to you and says, who are you? You've got a name. Hi, I'm Kevin. If it's at church, I might say, hi, I'm Pastor Kevin. Or if I'm picking up a phone at Lazy Boy, it's thank you for choosing Lazy Boy customer care. My name is Kevin. May I have your name and zip code, please? No, that's who I am, right? You are what you're doing at the moment. You are what you're good at, what you're bad at. What are your flaws? What are your victories? What have you achieved in your life? These are all kind of get things that get wrapped up in who we are. And I was talking to someone the other day who said, you know, I'm, I'm dating this person and I just need to realize that I can find my worth only in them instead of needing to chase after it from other people too. And all of a sudden, something just clicked in my head and I went, that's a lot of pressure to put on other human beings. If I get all of my self-worth and all of my identity from Melanie and how much she likes me, there are going to be some days that my identity is not great. <laughs> and I deserve it. Right? Yeah, thanks, Dave. And so, like, I, I had this moment where I feel like God suddenly gave me something to say and to share. And I said, well, I can think of one other place where you could find identity and self-worth and assurance. And they kind of like looked at me for a second because this was at work. It wasn't here. The other work. That's confusing. Is it Lazy Boy? And they kind of looked at me and then they're like, oh, right, you're a pastor. What, you're telling me I should pray or something? I'm like, well, yeah, it's a good start. Because if we find our identity and self-worth and value in the fact that God loves you, and God is even kind to you when you are ungrateful or wicked. That's something you can, like, sink a foundation into. You can build a life on that. And then it allows you, when someone strikes you on one cheek, to say, I know who I am. I know that I am loved. Here's the other cheek. And I don't think it necessarily means you literally have to let yourself get beat up. But it means that you need to do the opposite of retaliate. You don't need vengeance because you know who you are. You know who loves you. 
You know where your value comes from, and it's not the guy or the girl who just hit you. Your self-worth does not come through having a bunch of people who owe you and will give you money back someday. That's not where your value or your self-worth comes from. Your self-worth comes from God himself, and so you can afford to be generous and gracious and kind even to people who are wicked and ungrateful. Because as soon as we start measuring and balancing scales and trying to figure out who we are in relation to everyone else, now there's equality to be found. Now there's fairness that needs to be enforced. Now there's all sorts of rules and societal things that we've got to make sure everything's okay. And we suddenly find being kind to ungrateful or wicked people to be the stupidest thing we can think of doing. We come up with all sorts of dozens of excuses for this is why I need to be mean and I need to set boundaries and I need to exclude that wicked and ungrateful person because they just are awful. I need to get even. But then we're called to do something different. To find value in who you are in God's eyes, not in the eyes of others. So that when someone hurts you, vengeance is not the first place your brain goes. You don't need to make it right. You don't need to make it even. Because you know that God not only loves you, you know that God loves them. I think that's the beginning of grace. Grace.